Well, well, well. Hey, everyone. These are certainly some interesting times we live in. And sad to not be able to see everyone today. But, you know, we do the best with what we have and where we're at. Before we get into our message, I wanted to briefly share, you know, my thoughts on kind of what's going on. I don't know if anyone really cares what I think, but I guess it's good for a pastor to say something. You know, the biggest thing on my heart is don't freak out. Uh, As followers of Jesus, we have no reason to fear. We don't have to fear anything. In the most basic Christian virtues, our faith, hope, and most importantly, love. And that can look different in various situations. But I think we have a great opportunity to, especially those who are close to us, those that we live near and with and work with, to be agents of faith, hope, and love, to be people who are a non-anxious, non-freaked-out presence. And if there's anybody who has the resources, the internal grace-empowering life of God in them to be a non-anxious presence in their community. It should be people like us, people who love Jesus, who are children of the Father, who are filled with and empowered by His Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, no matter what happens, no matter what uh, is kind of going on, to first um, operate from a place of faith and peace and love and not fear, not kind of hysteria or chaos. At the same time, God's given us a brain. Be smart. Be healthy. Wash your hands a lot. Limit your contact. Uh, If you're sick, stay in. You know, do all the um, kind of common sense, healthy things that we're being instructed to do. Take the concerns seriously, but don't get caught in the chaos. We've seen people who say, oh, this is all made up and it's a hoax and it's nothing, it's no big deal, and they kind of roll their eyes at all of the um, chaos. And then there's people on the other end of the spectrum who think the end of the world's about to happen, and who knows, maybe it is about to happen, we don't know, but I think probably somewhere in the middle would be a good place to be. Don't freak out, but don't discount it. Be smart, be healthy, have faith, be full of love. Uh, Most importantly, we have a great opportunity to serve people who are in need, to serve neighbors, to serve the elderly, to serve people who are sick or who have um, kind of lower or compromised immune systems, that this is a real fear for. So if you're young and healthy and you tend to err on, I'm going to be fine, um, maybe look around you. Look at your neighbor. Look at even a stranger. Is there somebody who isn't in that situation you're in who really needs to be served. Uh, Maybe you do the grocery shopping for them. Maybe you've got extra sanitizer because you're smart like that and and someone doesn't, you know, whatever. I would encourage you to think, who can you serve? Who can you help? Most importantly, pray. I mean, what a great opportunity to pray. We're, I think, week three into how to pray, and God's given us a great context to exercise the stuff we're learning um, how to pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us what we need. Forgive us of all the wrongs 
lead us and guide us, deliver us from evil. What, I mean, just thinking of the coronavirus, what an applicable prayer request to pray all of the Lord's Prayer in. Uh, last thought, uh, Jake found this incredible quote from C.S. Lewis um, when everyone was freaking out about the atomic bomb. And you can kind of replace atomic bomb with, you know, whatever is ailing us these days. Um, it's a great, great quote. I'm going to read it for you. He says, In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, man. Or indeed, as you're already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. Quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful, premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, Working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds, said C.S. Lewis. So wonderful. So let's pray. Father, we need your help. I ask that you would Give us your eyes for the situation. Give us your thoughts. We give you our minds and ask that you would renew in us the mind of Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill us internally with everything we need to live in this day. Give us wisdom. Help us to pay attention to the concerns that are legitimate. And also, Lord, keep us from getting caught in the chaos and in the hysteria and in the hoarding and in the freaking out. At the end of the day, Lord, we thank you for our life and our salvation and that you have already given us everything we need in you and that for that we have a great hope. We pray for those who are sick, who are scared, who are in the vulnerable, Positions. We pray, God, that you would fill them with your peace, that you would visit them, that you would be near to them, that you would minister health and peace and tranquility that would surpass every thought, every reasoning, every understanding, and even their situation. Lord, I ask for joy, 
give us joy in the midst of sickness and suffering and fear and confusion. Help us, God, to be non-anxious people in the midst of our culture. To the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Several weeks ago, I came home from work, and we live across the street from a community center, and we've developed a really close relationship with the director and also one of the secretaries there because they kind of park in front of our house or across the street from our house, and their offices overlook our house, and our house can see them, and so sometimes vandalism happens at their place or they've routinely had their vans um, had their windows smashed and broken into. And so um, routinely they ask us, hey, did you see anything? Or they kind of lament about what's going on. And it's developed into a very um, kind of interesting relationship. And so when I came home a couple of weeks ago, as I was getting out of my car, uh, the secretary, her name is Denise, she's um, nearing 65. She was walking out of the community center getting into her car, she started um, not yelling at me, but yelling and talking to me and was, before I could understand what she was saying, I knew by the tone and her body language that she was in distress. And so I went over to her and what I found out was that she had left her wallet in her car on accident. And during the day, someone broke into her car, which is directly across from her house, and they stole her wallet. And she had cash in there, all her cards, her driver's license, her social security card, everything was in there. And she was just beside herself for forgetting that her wallet was in there, but also all the work she's going to have to do to stop all that stuff, make sure her identity is secure, not to mention the money she lost. It was a really bad day, we'd all agree. And I'm just in the middle of the street, you know, 5, 8, 5 p.m., listening, just trying to be a good neighbor and a good friend. And there's not much I could do. And as she sat in her car, I just said, hey, can I pray for you? She knows I'm a minister, so she said, sure. So she reached out her hand, and so here I am in the middle of the street holding uh, the hand of this woman, uh, praying for her wallet. And I don't really remember exactly what I prayed, but I prayed for peace for her, and I prayed that God would restore everything that the thief had stolen. To be honest, in my mind, I thought, yeah, God will probably restore in a roundabout at the end of the day, kind of everything washes out. But I I did not believe that God would actually restore and bring it back. <laughs> oh, oh, ye of little faith. So about a week ago, um, Shari and I and the kids are in our garage. The door's open. And I once again hear the same voice yelling at me. And I look out and across the street. Here comes Denise. And, she, and I, I'm like, oh, hopefully not again. And she's got this big smile on her face this time. And she says, Drew, you will never guess what happened. Somebody showed up today and they found my wallet and they returned it. They turned it in and all of the money's there, all of the cash, all of the cards, nothing was taken. 
And I said, are you, like, how did, how did someone find it? And she said, it was an older woman. She wouldn't tell me where she found it, but she said she found it, and she was coming to turn it in. And I looked at her, and I said, was it Grandma? And she smiled, and she said, yeah, I think, I think she was a grandma, and her grandson probably took it, and she said, not on my watch. And then she said, yelling across the street, it was because you prayed. God answered our prayers. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, he answered. I mean, I've, now I've never prayed for someone's stolen wallet, and I've never prayed for it to be returned, but um, it happened. So I thought that was a cool story of when we have needs, even as kind of uh, tactical and heartbreaking as someone has stolen something from us. Yeah, call the police, file a report, do all this stuff. But also, lift your head to the Father and say, Father, give me what I need. Um, deliver me from the thief. You know, deliver me from this evil. So I thought that was pretty, pretty cool and wanted to share it with you. I want to read from Matthew chapter 6 today, just after the Lord's Prayer. And it's a passage where Jesus teaches on not being anxious. And actually, chose this passage earlier in the week. And I wasn't even thinking about uh, the coronavirus, but I think in light of everything that's happened, it's a perfect passage for us today. And it, it definitely connects with um, our theme today. Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Amazing, amazing. That's the second half of Matthew 6, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. An incredible teaching on not being anxious for our practical needs of today because our Heavenly Father knows that we have those needs and He wants to provide for us. Amazing. It's great stuff. So today, um, as we dive into this pattern from the Lord's Prayer, we're going to look at the third petition or the third movement 
in the Lord's Prayer, which says, Give us this day our daily bread. Or in Spanish, Danos hoy nuestro pan de cada día. That's pretty good. If um, you remember, the Lord's Prayer has six different movements, or you could look at them as different buckets, or six different turns, or six petitions. First one is our Father's name. Hallowed be thy name. Our second one is our Father's kingdom and his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third one today is our Father's provision. Give us the stair daily bread. Next week, be our Father's forgiveness. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Fifth, our Father's leading. We pray, um, lead us not into temptation. And then finally, our Father's deliverance. Deliver us from evil, right? So this third one is kind of where we're going to camp out today. Now, the, the prayer begins praying for Abba's name to be worshipped and respected and then for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And when you pray these two things, uh, and you mean them, you, you, you mean that you would desire that God's name be glorified above everything and that you would desire that his kingdom, his leadership, his rule, and his will, his agenda would come before yours. You are expressing a life fully dependent for God. You are entirely holy for God. Now, if that is the thrust of your heart, and you are entirely wholly dependent on God, then it would be natural to pray this third prayer. Because if you are living entirely for God, the prayer for daily bread is completely obvious and logical. Now, at first glance, if you don't know the depths of this, it kind of seems weird that praying for daily bread seems like a massive departure from the cosmic, thy kingdom come. Like, how do we go from thy kingdom come to, I need some bread? It's not a massive departure at all. In fact, I think it's very well connected. Um, the first two petitions concern earth. Okay, uh, hallowed be thy name. We're not praying for God's name to be worshipped in heaven. We're praying for God's name to be worshipped and respected and made hallowed on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So both of those first two kind of big, giant, cosmic prayer requests are earthly so to pray for our daily needs of our existence on earth is completely natural, logical, and obvious. One of the things I love about Jesus is that he is so practical. This is a practical prayer because we all have needs. Now, I'd like to um, lay out a spectrum for you. I'm going to give two extremes, and I'd like for you to think where you tend to land in these extremes. On one hand... The modern person makes health, beauty, pleasure, their needs in life, the ultimate aim of their life. Right, so that's like one extreme. And part of that has kind of crept into the church. We call it the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel, which, by the way, if you ever, ever have to add a name to the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. Um, but it's where um, our needs and life and our food and shelter and private airplanes and all this stuff, that'd be nice is our utmost highest priority. And that's kind of over here on one hand. Then you have the other end of the spectrum where people reject their needs 
and as if being poor and having nothing is a virtue, right? I, I think followers of Jesus fall right in the middle, okay? Because we must accept our body as a part of God's good creative order. In Genesis, we learn that he creates everything, calls it good. He creates us, and he says it's very good. And so our bodies were made in the image of God. We um, have to respect that our body, as Corinthians 6 says, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are stewards and managers of this very good body made in the image of God that he's given us. And so it's just human to acknowledge your needs and ask for God's help. Now, you don't have to go crazy on one end and just assume poverty and lack as if God is glorified by his children having nothing. Nor do we need to go on the other end where we believe that it's God's will for us to have a private airplane and have uh, high style and comfort. There's a great quote by J.I. Packer. He says, Neither our minds nor our hearts are right till we see that it is as necessary and important to pray for daily bread as for the forgiveness of sins. God cares about our physical needs, no less than our spiritual needs. To him, the most basic category is that of human needs comprising both. Now, to be honest, if I were to rate my spiritual needs such as like forgiveness, next to my daily needs, such as medicine for a sinus infection, I would be tempted to think the spiritual is more important. And I tend to downgrade and downplay the physical needs that I have. And yet God looks at me and just sees human needs. So I, I want to kind of pull apart this phrase, give us this there daily bread. Now, if you are writing or taking notes, um, I th- because I can't show you slides, what I'd like to do, I'd like to ask you to do, if possible, is to write out that statement three different times. Give us this day our daily bread. Write it out three times, uh, you know, maybe um, underneath each other with several lines in between. Give us a stare daily bread. Give us a stare daily bread. Give us a stare daily bread. Because I'm going to um, emphasize various words in the same statement to kind of help us understand this. So the first one, give us a stare daily bread. Emphasize, underline, bolden the word us and our. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a communal prayer. The, 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 the language turns, it goes from your kingdom come, your will be done, your name be hallowed to us. Not me, not her or him, us. This is a communal family prayer. And I love, just on the base value here, it's pretty awesome we get to pray for one another's needs. We're not alone. If you have a need, I get to pray for our need. If I have a need, you get to pray for our need. We used to say in the early days of our church, uh, we before me. We before me. Our culture puts me before we, or our culture is just me, the world's culture. 
But in the family of God, it really is we before me. We all have needs in some fashion. And part of the privilege of being in the body of Christ is getting to say to one another, hey, I'm really struggling with my kids right now. Will you pray? Or my health, I have these concerns. Will you pray? Or I need a new job. Or I'm struggling with my boss or whatever. I love, 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 love. One of the great things about the church is we have to come and say, I need help. Some people... um, have a problem with this. Some people have a lot of walls up and have, for some reason, a struggle with asking for help when it comes to prayer. And I don't know, maybe it's um, pride. Maybe it's we think too much of ourselves and we don't want to risk being vulnerable. Or maybe we don't think, maybe we think too less of ourselves as if we're not worthy of asking for help. Or or maybe we don't understand leverage. One of the great things about having other people pray with you and for you is you get the benefit of spiritual leverage. Um, for example, that other day I came home with um, a a ten foot sheet of plywood, which if you know anything about woodworking, usually it's eight foot, and I I needed ten feet, and I actually found a sheet of plywood that was ten feet long, and it was crazy heavy. I mean, I couldn't lift it. And so um, I had struggled and I was about to hurt myself. And then Shari came over and she offered to help. And so we did it together and we were able to use um, both of our strengths together and kind of a leveraging point on my pickup to get this giant sheet of wood out of the truck and into the garage. And it was it's a very simple example of... We're better together, we're stronger together, and we can leverage our strengths to move things that are way heavier than we could by ourselves. And sometimes you need a brother or sister to come and leverage their faith with yours to get the breakthrough. So one reason why we do the the name tag swap at the end of church. Um, This is a big reason why we have prayer teams in the back, and we always have two people at the back um, praying together, so that if you have any need, big or small, you can go to the back. We don't give advice. It's not a counseling session. It's just two people gently laying their hands on your shoulders and three people leveraging their faith together for whatever need you have. Give us our daily bread. The second phrase here, I'd like for you to emphasize or circle, underline the word day and daily. Give us this day our daily bread. This is expressing daily dependence on God, going day to day. Now, honestly, many of us probably live with weekly bread or monthly bread. There's a lot of people who don't even have daily bread. We don't really recognize that we actually do live in daily dependence on God. Sometimes we believe we are our own providers. We have a job. We have an alarm clock that wakes us up in the morning. We have to go to work. We work hard. We earn a paycheck. We deposit that money in the bank, and we use that money to buy the things we need. And you do that, and you feel the effort that it takes to do that. And you kind of think, well, I am providing for my own needs. 
until there's a crisis, until there's a threat on toilet paper or Purell. And then our daily needs come to the surface and we line up at Costco to buy in bulk before others. And just think about that. We buy in bulk because we don't like this idea of daily dependence on God because we don't trust Him. And so we got to buy in bulk and then not even that, but we have to hoard and keep and protect and ration out all the stuff that we bought for ourselves in bulk because we don't know how to cope with lack and we don't trust God to provide for what we actually need. There's a great story in Exodus chapter 16. Let me turn there real quick. I should have bookmarked it, my bad. Where God's people are in need in the desert and they're hungry. And so God provides bread on the ground. He provides literally daily bread. Now, you read the whole story, but I'm, I'm going to start in verse 13. This is kind of interesting story, apparently, um, especially with what has kind of happened this week. Uh, in the evening... Quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When I was a kid, I thought that was biblical evidence for frosted flakes. There's thin, frosted flakes on the ground. Exodus 16, 14, look it up. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know. What it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. Don't hoard. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Incredible story of people in the desert, in need, daily dependent on God, and still witnessing the daily miracle of frosted flakes on the ground. Some of them still stored some of it up because it wasn't just enough to have this day, our daily bread. They weren't content. They didn't trust my uh, one of my mentors, Mike Breen, says that on "Give Us the Stair Daily Bread," this is where we pull a chair up to our Father's table and we acknowledge that He has the means to feed us whatever our hunger is. We go to Him with our most basic needs, anticipating He will feed us from His bounty. We ask because it demonstrates not only our need, but also our trust in His provision for us. The third phrase here. Give us this day our daily 
bread, emphasize bread. Bread was this kind of universal agricultural symbol of everything you need to survive. It is the, the staple of our subsistence. If you have um, celiac or gluten tendencies, I apologize for this illustration. This is, uh, bread is a symbol of our need. It's not um, give us this day our daily ice cream, right? It's not um, give us this day our luxuries. It's give us what we need. This is need, not luxury, fueled by greed and consumerism. So we would kind of, under the symbol of bread, we would, you know, say food, shelter, clothing, health, medicine, meaningful work, rest, sleep, emotional needs, spiritual needs, all of these things are your daily, uh, you must have them to live needs. So in this prayer of give us a stay or daily bread, we're not just praying that we wouldn't be hungry. We're praying for far more than that. We're, we're praying against famine and we're praying for sustenance. We're praying against disease and sickness like COVID-19. And we're also praying for helpful social and medical services. We pray for the ability to earn money and we pray against poverty and systems and policies that keep people in unemployment and keep people from being able to receive daily bread in a helpful way. This third petition of give us this day or daily bread is so deep. Now, when we pray for our daily needs and when we pray for the daily needs of others, in, in kind of from that, a confession of our daily dependence on God, at least two things happen. The first is a spirit of gratitude grows in our hearts. And the result is we're just thankful and glad. The second, and here's where like the piercing comes, is when you pray for daily bread, if there's any lack of contentment in your heart, if there's any greed or envy or consumerism or comparing or keeping up with the Joneses or whatever, it'll rise to the surface. The Holy Spirit will bring it to the surface and kind of confront you with the, the hidden subtleties of not being content. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of it. That's 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. And again in Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13, he says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you've been around church, you've probably heard that last sentence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even uh, you know the famous NBA player Steph Curry has um, that um, on his on his uh, t- on his shoes. It's 
It's like a brand on his shoes. I can do all things. The context is contentment and being in need. And so you might ask yourself, in whatever areas of need that you have, one, um, are you content with what God has already given you? And two, if you need more, if you legitimately need more, are you asking Abba to give you daily what you need? And are you trusting in Him or some other source? Now, to share the gospel through this phrase, give us this day our daily bread, I'm reminded that in John 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a place that literally means house of bread. Jesus is the bread from heaven. He is the bread of life. He is the very essence of everything we need. This is why we celebrate communion with bread, because it symbolizes He is what we need. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, He's basically saying, you need me more than your next meal. Do you know that? Do you know that you need Jesus more than Purell, more than toilet paper, more than your next meal? You need Jesus more than anything. He is the bread of life, the bread of heaven. He said in in the wilderness, People do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in John, we learn that Jesus is the word of God that has come from the Father. We need Jesus in every way. We need him in every way. Let me ask you just kind of three questions. First, is there a legitimate need in your life that you have right now? that you've not asked God for? Giant or small or right in the middle? Just think about your needs. Have you tried to answer that on your own, in your own effort, in your own strength? Or have you first looked to God and asked for his help? If he cares for the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, how much more does he care for you? The second, what dominates your life more? Contentment or consumerism? Perhaps your bank account records might need to be reviewed. Where does your money go? Are you generous? Do you give? Do you worship God with your money? Or do you worship the idols of America with your money? I once met uh, someone years ago who told me they, they, they couldn't afford to tithe. And they lived in a $300,000 brand new house. They had brand new cars. And they were bragging about their new cable package that they spent $250 a month on. And they had a brand new flat screen TV outside in their patio above their three grills. And they continued to say how tight they were on money and how they can't give and they can't worship God through giving. 
And I'm looking at this going, you give more money to Time Warner Cable than to the maker of the mountains. You know, what dominates your life more? Contentment or consumerism? Third, and this might be hard for some of you, but find a brother or sister in Christ and share with them a tangible daily bread need that you have and ask them to pray for you and then do the same for them. Ask them if they have a a tangible daily bread need that you can pray for. And if you're listening to this with a bunch of friends on Sunday morning instead of being at church, maybe that's how y'all close. I don't know. It's up to you. But one of the great things of being in the body of Christ is that we can regularly sit with one another and pray. And I, I think this is a great area for growth and maturity in our churches is let's become deeper people of prayer who we go to prayer first, not last, not as a last resort. We go to prayer first when there's a need. Abba Father, I know that many of us struggle with seeing you as a good dad. We know you are not a deadbeat dad, and we are not your um, proverbial neglected stepchildren. But we need your help to understand and to feel and to experience your providing leadership. You are our provider. And for some of us, Lord, we've not known that. For some of us, all we've known is lack of provision. We have a poverty mindset. We don't honor the needs that we have. We don't ask you. We just ask for your help. Or thank you for the great answer to prayer with Denise and finding her wallet. And I ask God that you would use that to grow my faith, grow all of our faith. And I ask you to show us things this week that are just invitations to ask. You said you have not because you ask not. Lord, teach us to ask. Lord, for those who are in deep need, we pray for your provision to be extended to them and where you are calling us to be kind of the, the medium of that provision. Show us how we can be your hands and feet to one another. And again, Lord, with our country and our world and everything that's going on, Lord, we look to you. We need you more than Purell. We need you more than vaccines. We need you more than toilet paper. We need you, Jesus. Come in a fresh way in our world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Finally, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may he guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Spirit be with you today, tomorrow, this week, and always. Go 
and be a non-anxious presence in your world. Love you. Can't wait to see you soon, whenever that is. Peace.